Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. Every Thursday, we go to the source of the story to open up the work behind beautiful new discoveries and to cut through misinformation in the media. I'm your host, Charlie, and today I am bringing in a paper about goats looking at human faces. Wow. I can't (laughs) wait to hear that. I'm your other host, James. I haven't read this paper. I can't wait to hear about it, and I'll be asking a lot of questions. So the both of us are PhD students, and in our own research, we read lots of papers. So we wanted to use this podcast to share our love of science with anyone else who might want to learn about discoveries that affect all of us. We're the Paper Boys. So Charlie's got an interesting paper for us today about goats and faces. Yeah, so this actually is something I saw like a ton of news stories about this recently. The gist of it being that it had to do with goats being able to distinguish emotions from human faces and human like social cues. Huh. Could you explain to us why this is making it into the news? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know, honestly. It just made these big headlines. I think, honestly, because it's kind of, it's something that every human can really relate to, like the way we all have pets, dogs, that we interact with on a really emotional level. Oh, I think melt. Yeah, and I think that this really taps into that sort of human feeling of generating like social connections with other animals and having relationships with other animals. That is interesting. Okay, I, I can see the... I can see why you'd be interested. Yeah, so I think that the mainstream draw here is that it's very relatable to most people, and it's it's very feel good. You know, there's no there's no harm in publishing a story like this. It's like a great thing, the kind of thing you know you'd slap on at the end of the nightly news and say, and now a, a, a heartwarming story of a man and his best friend goat. You know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. I mean, that's why I think that it was popular. Who who actually knows? It's also really fascinating research. So the science behind it which we'll get into, is also very newsworthy, in my opinion. But Okay. Well, so before we dive into the science, when did this research get published? Was this pretty recent? Oh, yeah, this is recent. The paper itself was published in the August 2018 issue of uh, Royal Society Open Science, which is, I think, a British journal. And the news articles all came out right after this was published. So they picked up on it right away. I'll give you some of the headlines here. Smithsonian Magazine says goats may prefer happy human faces. We have Daily Nation with a solid pun. Kid you not, goats can read your face. (laughs) I like that one. That is great. That is great. Uh, New York Post says goats prefer happy people who smile at them. Study says. So, you know, you've got a bunch of these stories cropping up. And like I said, it's about goats looking at, at faces. So I guess I'll just dive right into this. Yeah. I mean, the headlines have definitely gotten me curious. All I can imagine are people just smiling at their goats in pure euphoria. And so I'd love to hear the science that's actually behind this. Yeah. So, I mean, and the reason that these headlines really piqued my interest is that I think that the result here where, so like you heard from those headlines, they found that goats have like a preferential bias towards positive human emotions. And so I was very interested by that result, but I was even more interested in learning how 
because it's so outside of my field of research. Yeah. I'm really curious, like, how do other scientists learn things like this? Like, that a goat likes happy people over angry people. Like, how, what is the scientific method behind discovering something like that? Yeah, that's got to be very different from your normal work in aerospace plasmas. and Yeah, I mean, I do engineering, and this is a completely, you know, there's no overlap here. So There's got to be some pretty interesting, like, evolutionary implications with this research as well, too, right? Not just that goats respond to faces, perhaps, but, like, the development of the human-goat relationship. I don't mean that in, like, a cheeky sense, but <laughs> the fact that, like, we still have goats today after thousands of years... Yeah, so there, there are actually some really interesting implications. Maybe we'll talk about that at the end. Sounds good. Because that's sort of where the, the paper, that's sort of where it wraps up. Okay. So we'll okay. get to that later. The title of the paper, again, published in Royal Society Open Science Journal. It's called Goats Prefer Positive Human Emotional Facial Expressions. It's a title. It's, by, it's actually by several authors. The first author is Christian Nawroth, and it looks like the PI on this might be Alan McElligot. And I think those two are both out of the same lab. They're in the Department of Biological and Experimental Psychology at the School of Biological and Chemical Sciences at Queen Mary University in London. Okay. So this is Straight these up. are British researchers. But there's three or four more authors on this paper who are from Switzerland, Germany, and Brazil. Wow. Okay. So this is a very collaborative yeah, it's very collaborative and very like multinational. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a cool thing to assemble a team of people from so far apart. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to know what each of their individual roles was, though. Yeah, and their kind of their their skin in the game for a study like this. Yeah, yeah. So, what the motivation behind this paper is is basically studying how domesticated animals interact with people and maybe how they became domesticated the way that they are. So when you think of domesticated animals, you really, you like the first thing that comes to mind is a dog, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another good example would be horses. Okay. So dogs and horses both are animals that were domesticated for companionship and for working closely with humans on tasks. Okay. So for like hunting or moving heavy objects. Exactly. Hunting, riding, that kind of thing. Uh, like a dog maybe is going to be doing herding on your farm. Now, there's other animals that have been domesticated. And, uh, well, so let me say first, previous studies have shown that animals like dogs and horses, ones that were domesticated for working with humans, mm -hmm. have been shown to actually have, like, be very in tune with human emotions. Okay, so these have been, I guess, similar studies then to this. Sort right. of looking at that relationship from a psychological perspective. Exactly. So, you know, they've, they've shown that dogs react positively to happy humans or to, like, positive uh, cues from humans. They've also shown like horses show preference to humans who have really positive body language and, and facial expressions. They'll preferentially approach those people over ones who are angry or ones that they've had a positive history with even. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, in, in a literal sense, this is about humans developing relationships with their domesticated animals. That's interesting. Yeah. You hear a lot about body language with horses and animals, like especially when teaching little children how to approach dogs and how to hold themselves. Yeah, and I think like everyone that. everyone who's had a dog or even really interacted with a dog kind of knows this on an intuitive level, right? Mm -hmm. Now, goats are distinct in that they were domesticated for production, not for working with humans. Do you have any idea on the like time scale going back when goats were domesticated? Oh, I don't know that actually. 
But I think the time scale of these things, it's shorter than an evolutionary time scale. Okay. But it's long enough for like an adaptation kind of time scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. It'd probably be safe to assume maybe like a couple thousand years kind of thing. Yeah, probably thousands of years. Like I think, you know, humans have had agriculture for what, 10,000 years? I don't imagine you'd need to domesticate a goat unless you have a farm. Good point. So probably that time scale. Okay. So goats were domesticated for production and they haven't really done any studies on production animals and their relationships with humans. Interesting. Or at least their ability to discern human emotions, I should say. So this is a really a first major publication of its kind in that regard, looking at these production animals. Right. So what the authors claim here is that this is actually the first evidence of a positive reaction by goats to human emotions. Wow. You know, I think that there have been studies in the past, like about, you know, cows who have names produce more milk, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And there's some implicit something implicit there that says they're happier or they have a more positive relationship with the human and therefore they are happier themselves and they produce more, right? Mm-hmm. But those, I mean, those ones are hard to really vet out perhaps as well because you say if a cow has a name, it does better, but having a name comes with it, you know, that the human probably cares about them more. If they sure, take there the could be all kinds of causes there. Yeah. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's really interesting to actually look at this then on a deeper level. Yeah. And I guess all I really mean is that there has been some study with production animals. I don't want to suggest that this is like the groundbreaking first ever. No one's ever experimented with goats before, you know. Oh, I see. These authors even have an older paper on goats. Okay. So how did they actually go about carrying their study? The way that they did this study is this is actually super fascinating. So their hypothesis here is that goats will be able to differentiate between human emotional facial expressions. So what they're really looking at is, do goats prefer a happy-looking face or an angry-looking face? And the way they quantify this, they call it an emotional valence. Okay. So emotional valence refers to, like, positive is the happy face and negative is the angry face. In order to test this, they went to this goat sanctuary in the UK. It's called, like, Buttercup Farms or something. Ooh. Sounds like a really awesome place. Yeah. I want to go hang out with these goats. Nice day for holiday. Yeah. So they go to this goat sanctuary and there are 35 goats there who have been used in older studies. Like they've, they're used to interacting with humans. They've been used in research before and they, you know, they interact with their owners and stuff. Doctoral goats. Doctoral goats. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Guinea pig goats, you could say. Guinea pig goats. Guinea goats. (laughs) There were 35 goats and then they ran them through test runs and then ones that didn't pass the test runs, they eliminated from the study. So the ones that were actually part of this study, there were 20 goats. And I think there were, there were roughly half male, half female. It was like 12 and 8. So the researchers set up a little enclosure, 7 meters by 5 meters. They just put these metal fences up, like those little hurdles that you'd see kind of like around a ranch enclosure or something. Mm-hmm. So they put up this enclosure, and they had the goats starting at one end of this enclosure. And then at the other end of the enclosure, there were these two metal screens set up on like a tripod basically. And then on those screens, they taped a grayscale image of a human's face. And on one side is an angry face, and the other side is a happy face. I have a slightly, it's related, but slightly gentle question. Okay. Do you know if goats can see in color? I don't know that, but I did find it interesting that they specifically did this in grayscale. Yeah, I was just wondering that. It honestly might just be to eliminate some sort of subtle variable that maybe taking two different pictures in color 
there could be a subtle difference. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure okay. why they used grayscale. I do know it's based on the precedent for studies like this. Okay. So that's a common trait in facial or like presenting images to these animals? Yeah. So the faces that they used, actually, they didn't even generate these themselves. They used the same faces that had been used in an older study that I think was with dogs. Oh, wow. Okay. So these faces have already been used for research like this. So they know that it's, they're, they're vetted basically. And there's at least some consistency then between the studies. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Okay. So the faces, there's one male face and one female face, or I should say there's two male faces, but it's the same male face. Just one is happy and one's angry. Okay. And so the test conditions, they would set it up with, it would always be the same gender of face. So there'd be two of the man's face or two of the woman's face. And they would swap it between having the angry face on the left and the happy on the right and then, or vice versa. Okay. So to try to control for physical variables, whether left is preferential or right and absolutely male, female. Like cueing, you know, so like if based on the way that the goat is released, they might accidentally have just a preference for going to the right or going to the left, just based on something that you can't really control for. So they're just trying to... Plinko for goats. Yeah, like Plinko. Yeah. You know, a chaotic system. That tiny little change at the beginning could cause a totally different outcome. Goat chaos theory. (laughs) Anyways. So they they randomize all the trials in order to control for that kind of thing. So there's four possible test conditions. One is man's face, angry on the left, happy on the right. The other is man's face, angry on the right, happy on the left. And then same thing with a female face. Okay. They ran the goats through four tests. And each of the tests was two weeks apart. Okay, so they had time to... Kind of forget about it and... Go back to their normal goat life. Yeah. You know, it's hard for them to get a day off work. So they had to work around their schedules. Busy doing their doctoral research. Of course. Putting out that milk and, you know... For their production animals. Exactly. So the way that they run the actual trial is they put the goat through a series of test runs to make sure that it will actually do the trial correctly. And they have one experimenter standing over at the end of the enclosure where the faces are, but they turn the faces around so that the goat can't see them. The experimenter stands there holding a little piece of pasta, like a little snack. Ooh, yum. Very tasty for a goat. And he's holding a little piece of pasta. The other experimenter lets go of the goat and they basically just wait for the goat to run over and, and grab the pasta. They're basically just trying to entice the goat into exploring the full enclosure instead of just kind of standing there like with a blank stare on its face after they let go of it. With their strange square pupils. Yeah. Yeah. A- okay. Adorable square pupils. Let's <laughs> Sorry. correct that. For any goats listening. Yeah. <laughs> or goat lovers. Or goat lovers. If the goat failed to approach the experimenter holding the pasta within 30 seconds, then they kicked the goat out of the trial. Wow. So I mentioned before that there were 35 goats they started with, but only 20 actually made it through to the full study. That's because 15 of them failed their test runs at some point. Okay. Interesting. They do that three times. They have to pass all three to go into the actual trial. Then they immediately, after doing the test runs, they start the trial. So the experimenter who had the pasta, they flip the faces around. They leave the enclosure. They, like, run away. And then the other experimenter lets go of the goat. They're filming all this, and they watch the goat explore the arena, and they it has 30 seconds to go interact with the faces. And the way that they measure interaction with is that either the goat gazes towards, like, holds a gaze on the images or touches its snout to the images. Hmm. Okay. I can buy that. That's how they classify an interaction. It sounds kind of ambiguous, right? 
But they actually went in processing this data. They had a person who was completely unfamiliar with this experiment score the goats on like whether they had interactions. And then they compared those scores to the researchers who actually processed the data. And the agreement was like 100%. Oh, wow. Okay. So they That's proved an that, interesting yeah. extra level to the rigor that they were approaching this with. Yeah, it's cool. And, you know, this is exactly why I wanted to read this paper. Is like That's a really interesting thing that I just picked up. The methodologies behind things like these, they take so many extra levels of care to make sure that there's no extra bias being put into this research. Yeah. Like the researcher who was holding the pasta, you know, they made them look straight down and have a neutral expression on their face so that there would be no human influence on how the goat wanted to grab the pasta. You know, it's just really, it's really cool that they think of a lot of things. You have to be extremely careful in the way you set up these experiments because you're dealing with a finicky animal at the end of the day. Yeah. And psychology, there could be many different factors that are influencing it too, like you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me wonder too, just even in engineering, which we have more familiarity with, where maybe like these biases come up in our own data or similar research studies, you know, you could glean a lot from reading other studies like this to try to make your own approaches more objective. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's unfortunately kind of a problem in science now is that people will shape their data to fit the hypothesis that they were going for in the first place. Yes. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to statistical analysis, you can really use statistics to almost paint any picture of of research that you want. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so it's you know, it's very interesting to see how how they cancel those effects out. Yeah. Then with the data from these runs, they quantified it into ways that they could measure, that they could run like statistical analysis on. So what they first tried to do was measure in uh, what they called an emotional valence index, which is not exactly, but it's basically the ratio of time that the goat spends at each face. So if they spent all their time at the happy face and none of their time at the unhappy face, that would be an emotional valence index of one. Okay. And if they spend all their time at the negative face, that's a negative one. And then let's say they do like half and half, that's a zero. So the valence is how positive or negative that score is. But then- Interesting way to score it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Come it's up a, with a cumulative metric. Yeah, it's really cool to see them coming out with an actual like number that represents a goat's preference for a face. Mm-hmm. What they actually found, though, is that the numbers were almost always one or negative one. There was no like gradation between them, really. So they had to ditch that idea, and they went to just making it a binary of whether they spent more time at one face or the other. So if they spent more time at the happy face, that was just, that's a one. Oh. More time with the unhappy face, that's a negative one. Okay. Huh. That's interesting that they brought that up in the paper. I like that they actually discussed one of their methods that didn't quite lead them to the end. Right. That's really insightful. Right. Now on to the results of what they found here. And this this is super interesting and maybe even like controversial or at least really? begs. Well, not controversial, just maybe begs a lot more explanation. Like it kind of revealed some phenomenon that they can't fully explain they have some theories for but really demands more research wow okay i'm really curious to hear what that is the results that they were quantifying here they went into sort of like three three effects one is looking at the goat's first interaction like which face they would approach first another one was how long duration of interaction so how long they would interact with a certain face and then the other one is the rate of interactions with a certain face like how often they would come back and and touch their snout or look at it. So as far as first interaction goes, the goats would more often interact with the positive image first. On the whole, of all studies, it was much more likely that the goat would go to the positive face. Okay. 
So for the okay, first interaction to the positive face. So right off just the bat, just had your pasta, <laughs> rearing to go. You want some positive reinforcement. Looking for a nice happy farmer person. Okay. So right off the bat, that's that's a really cool result. The first thing they show here is, yeah, the goats prefer a positive face. Okay. Here's where it gets weird, and why I said controversial, which wasn't the right word, but almost brings up more questions than answers. The goats were significantly more likely to interact with the happy face first when the happy face was on the right side. But when it was on the left side, there was no correlation between what face they would interact with first. Really? Yeah. So when the happy face is on the left, it was total chance whether they would interact with happy or unhappy. When it was on the right, they were like very significantly preferring the happy face. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that just brings up tons of questions in my I know. mind right now. Like, why, why is that the case? Why? Yeah. Did they give these goats an eye check before? Yeah, maybe they're all blind in one eye. All or, 20 of them? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So Weird. Yeah, and, and we'll see this effect actually permeates through the rest of these things that they're looking at. And then they offer some hypotheses on why later. But That is so cool. Yeah, so they really preferred it when the happy face was on the right side. And in general, no matter what was on the right side, they were more likely to interact with the face that was on the right side. Really? In the paper, did they provide any sort of diagram of what the pen was like? Yes, they did. They did? Okay. They did. I imagine it's symmetric? It's totally symmetric. The faces are about 1.3 meters apart. So it's not that significant. Okay. It's not like they'd have to run over to one side to get to one face and run over to the other side to get to the other. It's, yeah, okay. They could probably touch both faces from the same spot they're standing at. Equal distances. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, so I found that super fascinating. And that's what a lot of the news stories really fixated on too. And that's really like probably the biggest result of this paper. So then now going on to the duration of their interactions, the goats spent more time with the positive images compared to the negative images. That makes intuitive sense, I guess. Yeah, well, it well it makes intuitive sense if you believe that goats can differentiate human emotions and that they, they like happy people. Yeah, yeah. Well, Which is what this paper was trying to show. And so that result confirms your intuition, right? Mm-hmm. Again, with this weird side bias, the goats were likely to spend more time with the positive image when it's placed on the right side. So, oh. so if the happy face is on the right, they will go and hang out with that face for longer. If the happy face was on the left... There was no way to predict which one they would spend more time with. Weird. So even if the happy face is on the left, the angry face is on the right, it's not like they'll still go to the right. It's just sort of a chance whether they well, go so, left or right. Yeah, so going back to the first interaction, they were more likely to go first to the face on the right, even if it was angry. Mm-hmm. But in this case, what this is saying is that with the angry face on the right, let's say they're walking up and they're kind of interacting with both of them, they were interacting with both of them about equally. Okay. There was no, they weren't like trying to stay near the happy face on the left or stay near the angry face on the right. So here's a question that comes up in my mind just because like that is so fascinating that they would tend to go right. In the paper, do they discuss at all any sort of other training that these goats have had? Like in their home pen, is there anything sort of in their daily life where these goats tend to go right when they're faced with a choice? Whether it's for like, hurting them outside to eat or something like that? So they don't discuss that. They do uh, reference the, I think, maybe two or three papers that have used these specific goats previously. I didn't really dive into what those papers were, but I think you're hitting on 
the more important effect, which is in their actual day-to-day life, not just like these one-off experiments, do they have some sort of right side preference? Mm-hmm. And they didn't right. talk about that. And I think that would be really hard for them to characterize. Yeah. Like, I think that's the kind of thing where you start asking the owners about, oh, what's their daily schedule like? And then it, I think it might be too easy to get a human bias in there. If you're saying, oh, they prefer the right side, and then you ask a bunch of questions and they say, well, yeah, their pen does curve to the right when they're going to get food, you could then almost too easily say, oh, that must be the cause. How, yeah, how do you quantify that? That's yeah. a good point. And as you mentioned before, this isn't their first study with goats either or doing this sort of study. So it would be surprising to me if they hadn't considered. I, yeah, right. like and that. I think they think of those things. But you also are bringing up something that is a little bit of my, um, my concern with this which I think is why it begs extending this research, is that really this is only research that was done on a population of 20 goats that all live at the same farm, that all have had the exact same upbringing, that might be very different from what domesticated goats generally experience. Yeah, it's that would be interesting for their collaborators like in Brazil to do a similar study or something like that. Right, so what I'm hoping is that this spurs a bunch of additional research on goats all around so that you can eventually aggregate an effectively random sampling of goats internationally instead of saying, well, here's this really small sample size of 20, which I think is actually even smaller than what most statisticians would consider a large enough sample to use like statistical significance with. Mm -hmm. So you're right. There could be these sort of biases present in these goats based on what they do day to day that would be impossible to pick out just from this one paper alone. I mean, those are very interesting results just to publish and get out and for people in similar domains to go and explore. For sure. And that's why I say it it almost poses more questions than answers, which is a good thing in research. That's absolutely a good thing. I don't mean to make that sound like a criticism of this paper. No, that yeah, that's absolutely positive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now the last thing they, they talked about was the rate of interaction. I thought this was super interesting. Considering, I'm going to quote the paper now. Considering all trials, goats did not show a general tendency to interact more often with either the positive or negative image, i.e., the probability of interacting with positive images is not different from 50%. Wow. So in general, when you consider all the randomized trials of it's a man's face or a woman's face or a happy's on the left or happy's on the right, there was no tendency for them to go and touch the positive face more, no matter what side or anything like that. Which... Before I had heard anything about this study, my intuition would have said they would prefer the positive face. They're domesticated animals. They're used to human beings. But that is that's really interesting. Yeah, and so I not show any preference. Yeah, well, so I guess I should clarify because that doesn't mean that they don't prefer the positive faces. So what this was measuring specifically is interacting more often with positive than negative. So if they were to touch their snout three times to the positive and two times to the negative, that that's a win for positive. Okay. And like five, so five on negative and two on positive would be a win for negative. My so what bad. this means okay. is that over the 80 total tests that were run, you know, 20 goats times four tests each, in 40 of those tests, they interacted more often with the positive, And in 40 of them, they interacted more often with the negative. Okay. So the negative face isn't enough just to scare them away. They're still interacting with exactly. it. Exactly. So yeah, I think it maybe eliminates that sort of, that sort of effect. But when the positive image was on the right side, they are still more likely to interact with that one than the negative one. Wow, that is so strange. I know. it's This right side bias just keeps popping up through everything that they measured. And then what was also really interesting about this is that the goats were 
I forget if I said this, they were in general more likely to interact more often with any image when it was on the right side. So even when the negative Regardless image- Regardless of which face, man or woman, yeah. happy or sad, and so this happy is, or angry. This is what I, this maybe is a little bit of a criticism. I feel like they didn't, they kind of slipped that one in there, but I think that that actually might be one of the more important pieces of this that's almost being ignored. They make a big deal of saying, oh, they're more likely to an- interact more often with the positive image when it's on the right side. And then right after that, they basically say, that's also true when the negative image is on the right side. They're more likely to interact with the negative image on the right side. So maybe more just a critique of like the way it's phrased and how that might be interpreted? No, not even the way it's phrased, but the way that they didn't give credence to just the general right side bias. And they really, in this case, they painted it as having to do with positive being on the right. Oh, I see. When in actuality, the goats were just interacting more often with the right side, no matter what. Those could have been blank pages, and they would have interacted more with the right side. Hmm. They didn't do a test with blank images, did they? I don't don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. So one of the other really fascinating things here is their hypothesis for why this side preference was a thing. Oh, yeah. Their major hypothesis was that it had to do with the hemispheres of the goat's brain. Really? Yeah. So they actually say that there is another hypothesis out there about emotional processing in mammals generally, that mammals have a right hemisphere dominance for negative emotions and a left hemisphere dominance for positive emotions. And so I think the way that this works, you know, neuroscientifically is that like your left hemisphere correlates to your right eye because there's some sort of crossing effect here. And like that's a that's a well-known thing mm-hmm. in neuroscience. Yeah. And so they're saying that when the picture is on the right side and, you know, goats had their eyes kind of sticking out sideways, not necessarily straightforward. So it's on the right side. That means their left hemisphere processes that positive image, which is the hemisphere that is generally responsible for positive emotions. And there's a connection there. That is really interesting. It, yeah, it's super. That, yeah. I wonder how you could test for that. I know. Up a lot of good questions. Yeah. So a lot of good questions. And I think, you know, I think this is one way of showing that that's true. And like, as you were to build up a more robust body of literature on this, that you could eventually say, yes, that hypothesis is correct, that these hemispheres have a really big effect. Their other hypothesis is that maybe it just had to do with the level of familiarity with happy and angry people that these goats had had before. Oh, some sort of past experience that was conditioning them. So maybe if you went to a goat farm where the owners were like complete jerks, the goats would prefer the angry ones because it's just what they're familiar with. Huh. But that's okay. who they, that's what they associate with. Oh, this is the person that feeds me. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But what was extra interesting and like probably the more important side of that hypothesis is that these faces the goats were looking at were ones that they had never seen before. So if that was true, it would mean that the goats are able to generalize the concept of angry and happy human and apply that to a new face they've never seen before to determine whether that human is happy or angry. Wow, so there's some not only facial recognition, but also facial memory and sort of a large library of different faces that these goats could construct. Yeah, possibly. And, I, you know, I think whichever hypothesis is true, no matter what, it shows that goats clearly are able to distinguish between facial expressions on some level. Wow. Well, that is really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are the major things that they looked at. I think it's super fascinating. Like, this opens up a lot of doors. The implications of this are pretty widespread. It could mean that cross-species perception of emotions, like from animals to humans, is more widespread than we ever thought that it was. Because, I mean, we knew about it for dogs and horses, but 
now we're opening up a whole new class of animals that this might be true for as well. Absolutely. And if you think of these as production animals, it then brings up the next question, sort of like you were mentioning, a cow with a name is more productive or something like that. I yeah. actually read that study. But yeah, it, it begs those questions at least. Right. Maybe one day they'll they'll be able to show, oh, well, goats, if you are more generally positive around your goats, they'll be better at producing milk or they'll chomp down your fields faster. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, who knows? I mean, that's, again, my takeaway, and this isn't what they necessarily said. My takeaway from this is that I think this will spur a huge new burst of research into goats and finding out all that we can about our relationships with them. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. I know the human-dog relationship goes back a really long time, and that evolution is interesting. And to see how it is for these goats and what sort of that bond was. I mean, other than the fact that they're production animals, so their value is very inherent. But I wonder, I'm ignorant to a lot of like previous species that may have been around, and if, why, like, if it was just that there were a greater abundance of goats that they were selected, or if yeah. there was something about goats that made them more in tune with humans actually or so, more mobile. For- yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. They say how part of the motivation for this research was to basically find out, well, maybe humans selected goats for domestication because they had a propensity for understanding human emotions already. And what they oh, want to parse out is, okay. were they selected because goats are like that? Or after goats became domesticated, did they develop this capability as like an adaptive trait? Because hmm. I think part of why dogs were domestic, or I guess wolves were domesticated into dogs is that they already had an innate capability to read emotions of, of other species. Okay. So sort of like a chicken and egg question. Exactly. Of, yeah. And I think if the answer is that, because goats were selected for their productive capabilities, like some of the things they said were like pigmentation and... Uh, their ability to adapt to new diets and what sort of products you can get out of them, right? But if they can show, look, this is something that grew into goats as they spent more time with humans, that could be a huge, huge implication for all kinds of other species and what, how they might interact with humans in the future. Wow, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. It, so based on the headlines that you read related to this research, what are your feelings do you think they were accurate? Were they misleading? Looking back at the pop science news. I thought that, honestly, the best one for sure was this Smithsonian Magazine one. Headline, goats may prefer happy human faces. Mm-hmm. The headline boils down the... Re- I mean, there's that's absolutely correct. And I like that they say they may prefer happy human faces. Like, they're conveying that sense of that this is still an open question and that this research really only opens the door, Right. Through this article, they really like perfectly condensed the the paper itself. Like it was very clear that the author of this article read the paper in full. They condensed it down into a digestible form. Like if we, the paper boys, were journalists, this would be the paper that we would want to write. It's that it's like that good. And oh wow, okay. Smithsonian Magazine A plus. Yeah, A plus for Smithsonian Magazine. Um, the that Daily Nation one with the pun. Kid you not. Goats can read your face. Super brief. It just gives you like a little snippet of the results. Nothing about kind of the science behind this. They have like a one meager quote from one of the authors, but I don't think that it really does a good job at all of respecting the science behind this. Uh-huh. It's and basically like it doesn't really add much value to the media on this because it, there's nothing more in it than you could get from the abstract of the article itself. 
Okay. Although it is a clever title. It is a clever title. That I guess that's the value. <laughs> um, but no, that's a great. That's a good rate. There's another good one in the New York Post. The title. The title was "Goats Prefer Happy People Who Smile at Them." Study says, it's a little bit cheeky. Like it's the New York Post. Like they'll always have this kind of cheeky writing style, and yeah. um, it's good. It's concise, but it covers. It talks about the methods behind this a little bit. Rattles off most of the major results. Like it doesn't miss anything big, and then it also does a good job of communicating the implications behind this. But then I also liked like it is sort of editorialized, but in kind of a clever way, not anything that takes away from this research. Like they say, um, goats, just like dogs, prefer smiling friends over scowling jerks, you know. <laughs> and like I just think that's like a fun way to make the, the story more interesting and lighthearted the way and, that the research kind of is. So Yeah, and get you engaged. That is great. One thing mm, that I course. was a little bit perplexed by was the Telegraph, uh, that's a, a British paper, said, their headline on this was farmers should smile at their livestock to produce better meat, hmm. which that... maybe is true, but none of that is mentioned even once in this paper. Yeah. Nowhere in there did it talk about like the physiological effects of the human relationship or human, you know, emotive displays towards their goats. No, yeah, not at all. Like as far as I'm concerned, like the Telegraph just completely extrapolated that on their own, which I think is... That is your textbook, like, misinformation. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, they don't know that that's true. There's no, there, there was no study here that showed that that was true. So, Some poor goat farmer now is out there just smiling at all of his goats. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing to happen <laughs> no, anyway. No, so. no. But, you know, just to illustrate the, the spread of misinformation. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's basically the gist of it. <laughs> you know, this isn't like, I don't think this is going to change our lives day to day or anything, but it's... I was just very, like I said, very fascinated to learn about how they go about finding things like this out. So next time you're reading headlines and you see something about an animal or something where you say like, whoa, and you kind of scratch your head at that, hopefully this paints a better picture of what that research is like. And, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of like grad students and professors like standing out in a farm and like hanging out, having a good time with some goats, but like being really careful about the way they set these experiments up. You know, it sounds like a lot of fun, honestly. Yeah, it is really fascinating. I mean, even from myself, I think coming away from this, having heard you talk about that research, I'm going to be more observant of my own internal biases in the future with my experiments. Absolutely. Being more cognizant of that. Well, thanks so much, Charlie, for bringing in that paper. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Paper Boys. Uh, even though we're not goats, we do respond well to smiles and any sort of feedback or questions that you may have. And that's whether they come on the right side or the left side. (laughs) Yep. So either side, if you want to send us your feedback, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. uh, We have a website, paperboyspodcast.com, where you can leave comments with that feedback. Hit us up on our Twitter as well. We are super addicted to Twitter, so I guarantee that we'll respond probably immediately. That's at paperboyspod.com. Our email account is paperboyspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you find any other science news with research behind it that you'd like more information on, we would love to dive in. So please let us know and send us your thoughts. For sure. And make sure to subscribe to the show. Our episodes come out every Thursday morning. So if you're subscribed, you should get that uh, as soon as it drops and you'll be able to listen to it every week, hopefully. If <laughs> I hope you listen to it every week. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, thanks. And join us next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.